Hello, welcome to episode 79 of the Therapy Tales podcast with me, Dawn Walton, and... I'm Jessica Brooks. <laughs> really close to the microphone. Yeah, like, I'm really far away, and you're really close, and this will still come out as you quieter. So, I'm trying to talk a little quieter, so you can all adjust your volumes. Don't eat the microphone, please. <laughs> Number two, how are you? <laughs> So I said we're going to have to be professional, and this just doesn't work. Does it's it? just like, yeah, I said there's no point trying. <laughs> oh, I thought about it. I mean, I should get points, right? For your intent? Yes. Do we get points for intentions? Is to be professional. Cool. It's good that we get points for intention because that's important. We're well meaning. <laughs> so, when we were talking about what we're going to talk about, we had random subjects. And the subject I thought we should talk about is regrets. Oh, gosh. Mm, yes, I know. Gosh, it's very um, topical with lots of people just now. With the shoulda, coulda, wouldaves, I should have known. Basically, we get a lot of, I should have got a dachshund. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, that's just because they see your dachshunds. <laughs> if they'd seen other people's, they wouldn't have said the same thing, would they? Should have got a cat. That's what you should be saying. <laughs> so, um, we all have this amazing idea that... Um, if we were to replay an event, that it would have worked out differently in a good way. So we all think we have not only an amazing power to time travel with the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but we also think that if we did the time travel, that we'd make everything marvellous. And everybody knows that time travel has unexpected consequences that are usually bad. Every movie ever Every written. Everything you've ever seen. Tell me anything. Like, even Doctor Who messes up Cardiff, right? I mean, you look... I've never seen Doctor Who. I know. We, we came across this the other night, and I think that's a bit of a big confession for the start of our podcast. I'm sorry. It's a bit... I'll have to rectify this. Like, even fun. when you were a kid, you didn't watch it? No. I, I have an idea what it's about. Think he time travels and there's these robot things. Yeah. So according to Jess, Daleks are robots. Sorry, anybody who's a Doctor Who fan. Um, this is not a good way lose. to start our podcast. Are we going to lose? We were worried about saying things that lost listeners, and we never thought it would be when we talked about Doctor Who. Is it a bit? Is it a bit sort of cultish? Is there a bit? It's very cultish. Really? Very very cultish, and we all have the Doctor. Like more that... than Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah yeah. Although you can really um, annoy somebody who's into one of those other ones by calling it the wrong one. It's like, you know, I love Star Wars, Picard is my favourite fa- character and that kind of thing. You can really wind people up. But yeah, yeah. Um, then, um, Doctor Who fans should be like over the moon that I am a Doctor Who virgin and how exciting is that that I've never seen an episode and when I watched my first episode, that's like so lucky, right? Yeah, but first then time. you've got like, who are you going to watch it with? Which is going to be your first episode? Which Doctor are you going to well, watch? You don't have to watch them in order. You don't have to watch them in order because they're all very different. Wow. So it it kind of kind of like the X Files, but not. No, it's not like that. It's um the the Doctor um, reincarnates. So oh, every right. so often he dies off, and then that's how they create a new actor, who then becomes the new Doctor who has a new assistant. So every I have an assistant. You do have an assistant. You're you can't say that you're Doctor Who with an assistant when you've never watched a single episode of the program. But you might want to and see what happens. Have you seen Doctor Who? No, but as the assistant pro, because then I can be the assistant. Um, Billy, That's what you're worried about. Billy Piper was David Tennant's assistant. Are they smart? Uh, you want to be smart and pretty? Yeah. You're going for the whole shebang there. I, I think the Doctor is classed as smart. No, I'm I'm just like I'm just leaving Jess to piss off all the Doctor Who fans. I'm trying not to add to the maelstrom. Um, Anyway, so time traveling, everything you ever see, like if you've ever seen Sliding Doors, like classic film with Gwyneth Paltrow, she gets off a train one stop earlier for half the film and the next stop for the rest of the film, and her whole life changes because of that. So we have this kind of idealized view that if we trusted our instinct or if we'd not overreacted or if we'd not been at that place at that time then everything would have suddenly been amazing and there would have been no dire consequences and yet what we know is that those things that really mess us up in life are the ones that blindside us right the things that we couldn't predict that suddenly come out of the blue but we just i think it's human nature we just have this need to go if i'd just done something different it would have all been great (laughs) 
just so as you know, because, you know, we're watching something, a van just drove past the window of Tim Hortons and just literally sat up. She did a dog thing, didn't well, she? did a total dog thing. <laughs> and it was like, whoop, what was that? It was a simple color. It wasn't, it was grey. It looked like it was the same colour at first, yes, yeah, yeah. So, not that you're easily distracted or anything. <laughs> so, I can do lots of things at the same time. In fact, what I was thinking when you were talking was about parallel universes and how, for me, when I make a choice, you know, like Sophie's choice, or any normal Jetta's choice. choice, actually, technically. <laughs> when you make it. When I make it, it's Dawn's choice. <laughs> Yeah, but Sophie's Choice was a film, and Dawn's Choice has ever been a film. What's the, what's the film about? Yeah, you see, I knew you didn't know. <laughs> Sophie's Choices. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is Willow whittering in the background, profound. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> in and out of brain freeze. Right, so... <laughs> it's pretty profound. I think it's just to like, choose between like, having a kid and not having a kid, or going to a country and not going to a country, or... Wow, or... <laughs> In all your parallel universes. Like killing your partner or not killing your partner. One of wow. those things happens. Wow, okay. Cool, it's definitely a film you guys should watch, just those of you listening, <laughs> if you're kind of interested. It's about the Nazi <laughs> It's about the Nazi death camp. <laughs> Great. See, none of us should be laughing at that, that's terrible. Oh We're laughing at Jess, not at... So, what, anyway, parallel to... universes. Yeah. Every choice that we make, regardless of whether we're Sophie or not, is being carried out in different parallel universes. So I like to think if I make the wrong choice, that somewhere that other parallel universe version of me made the right choice. And that's my problem, is the definition of wrong or right. It okay. implies there is a wrong or a right choice. And I don't think there is. I think there is the choice that you happen to make at that point in time, given what you know, given your state, all that sort of stuff. And it's not to say it's the wrong or the right choice. You can't know what could have happened if you made a different choice. Absolutely can't know. So, and it's like that whole thing. It is the sliding doors thing. You know, I could move a chair over there. Somebody could trip over it that's supposed to go to a competition tomorrow and they couldn't make the competition. You know, you don't know each small thing and the impact that it's going to have. And yet... That's the first thing we do when something goes wrong, is we take our spiky stick out of our bag and we start beating ourselves up with it for I should have known better, I could have done this, if I'd just done this, everything would have been fine. And I've had clients who their whole life has been stuck on. If this just hadn't happened, my whole life would have been okay. And it's like, that is not gonna be the case. So the thing that actually gets us through moments is nothing to do with right or wrong choices or magical ability to time travel and to do with those core personality traits that we've talked about before. You know, the ability to, even when your dog has bitten you multiple times, to still go, but I want to do the best for this and find the right thing. Even though, you know, because we have to quote Jesse and everything, even though you walk around a park and you're crying because even a fluffy dog wants to say hello, you still go, I'm still doing this and I'm working my way through this. And that is what gets us through, nothing to do with our magical time travel powers. But the first thing that happens when things turn to shit is we go, should have known better, shouldn't have done that. So you're suggesting putting away the spiky stick? Lose the spiky stick. And, and Self-flagellation. I was sticking with spiky stick because it's a little easier and it doesn't have all these other connotations that you just brought to the table again. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. <laughs> so if we can use a phrase... Of course, this is difficult because we can then move to the next one a lot quicker, which is, so what? What am I actually going to do next? What does it actually mean? Because that's the problem, because you spin on things. If I'd just done that, and if that hadn't happened, and this, and it's a time travel statement. If you can just kind of get over that and go, yeah, well, okay. I dealt with it badly. I reacted strongly. I got really upset. But what does it actually mean to now, right now, what I'm going to do in the next five minutes, next ten minutes? So rather than time travelling, yes. what should, if your brain's going into circling and meltdown and emotional state and you can't get rid of that, how do you bring yourself back? Well, first thing is you give yourself permission to be in that emotional state. You're human. Right? You're going to have things that make you emotional, trigger you and put you in that state. So no amount of saying I shouldn't be is going to change that you are. So if you go, yeah, of course I am then you can go to the next thing and give yourself permission to be in that state and go, well, what's it actually mean to what I do next? So what? What next? 
and then focus on the next five minutes, the next 10 minutes, until you can reach a chunk of time you can deal with. So we're trying to move from emotional to logical state. Yeah, get back in the present. Doesn't that require some sort of self-reflection? Yes, but every single person that you and I both deal with has already reached that point. Because if they didn't have it, they would still be following traditional things with their dog, avoiding, doing all of that sort of stuff. So every single person, no matter what state they're in when they first talk to us, has already reached the point that goes, I can do something and there's some part of me that's responsible for this. So you're already onto a winner. And that's also what sometimes people need reminding, because they're so busy with the spiky stick, they kind of forget what's brought them there in the first place. Yeah, um, and, and it is a bit of a phenomenon with humans that we focus on the negative. So we on Friday, we had uh, an amazing day. We had so many people messaging Honest Hounds and myself and others. So we've got um, Jess Williams on board to do the basic foundational work, which is freeing up me to do more Honest Hounds videos and, and content and um, producing... Uh, so Jess works as a school teacher, uh, well, as a teacher, but she does the um, content. So she's making content for this town. It's really professional Jessie. stuff. Jessie, sorry. Okay. It's just so confusing. We have Jess, Jess Squared, which is Jess and Jessie, and Jess Cubed, which is Jess, Jessie and Stormzy. So um, I could be known as Jessica. I'm all right with that. That sounds professional. We I've don't need to worry to... about sounding professional. I've been trying. <laughs> anyway, you're, the, you're the original. <laughs> I'm, I'm original. <laughs> say, say we on our podcast. But, we don't need to worry about sounding professional. <laughs> I think at a point of episode 79, they twigged that already. Do I need therapy for this? <laughs> you need elocution lessons to project your voice more, darling. Okay. Um, I've totally lost my train of thought. So, um, so we've I'm got Jessica. Friday. Great Jesse day. is... Doing, we're doing content and we had a great day we've had lots of great feedback and so it's it's a quite profound moment when somebody you've trained up has affected an owner who's then come back and put video on of their like profound life change how they couldn't leave the house now they can leave the house and you know just like wow yeah. it's like this chain of events you know and then there you go um, we've talked about um jesse's you know, if, if only I hadn't listened to that advice, I wouldn't have ended up with a hospital vet yeah. trip. Sorry, my, my dog wouldn't have, you know, become the dog he did. But then I wouldn't have met her and we wouldn't yeah. be able to affect other people. And these things would still be happening, even if she hadn't done all that stuff. That, that's the thing, right? So that's... we're on this, like, massive big web. Yeah. Spider web. That smells funny, because that's why we're looking at Willow at the moment. Because spider webs have dodgy smells to Willow. She actually feels ill when she thinks about it. Mm. Which is making me pick on her. What is that? What part of my brain? Of you? No, let's not her? go there. This is not a therapy session. <laughs> let's just go back to how it's amazing that the serendipity and all these different things that absolutely. align. Absolutely. So Friday, absolutely amazing. And then one negative thing happens. That wasn't really like earth shattering for anybody else. But my brain focused on it and made me go, oh, I feel really sick. And everything else that's probably one of the most positive feedback days of so many different things yeah. happening and, and and all stuff going well for lots of different people and I focus on one little thing and, and get you know all upset and negative about that one little thing but it wasn't even that relevant compared to somebody's life being changed if you yes. got to do these amazing things mine wasn't a big deal but my brain went yeah but you need to think about this you need should to have done this it. if only I had yeah listen to my gut listen to my gut yeah absolutely and it's that it's that um as you say, we're naturally focused on the negative. So uh, it's that, well, what have you done for me right now? <laughs> We've talked about this with the positives before, but yeah, 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 yeah. What about today? What have you actually done for me lately? Um, and we, we do all think about that, but we just, we think everything is earth shattering and it's not earth shattering. It's just a thing that happened. And the thing that's earth shattering is that we can get through the things, not that they happen. You know, it's like when something happens that makes you question yourself, that you're still able to carry on doing what you do to help others. And it's natural because we're helping, you know, so if I have a client where things don't go right for them, I feel very personally responsible. I know you do for the dogs as well. You feel personally responsible for the dogs. Even though sometimes there's there's factors that are not, they're completely out with our control, like yep. a husband that won't um, get on board yep. or um, a vet that won't get on board or have yeah, yeah. as well. So that's really, really tricky. 
to work with, but you do. You end up feeling. You end up taking this on and thinking, God, I, I know how to work through this. So you just give yeah. me control. But actually, it's not really about that, is it? No, and really you feel control. like you've let them down. But actually, if it wasn't you, something else would have happened, and somebody else would have. Some other incident would have happened, and somebody else would have let them down. It's not about you, but we seem to feel that we're these. <laughs> back to Derek's point from that podcast ages ago. We seem to think these gods that affect everything. That like a sim- single ripple that we create will change the world. And very often these things aren't earth-shattering, and actually the earth-shattering things, they blindside us. Those are the things that we can't plan from and should have, could have, would have. Those are the things that your whole life changes in one phone call or overnight, and we've all had those moments and just wish that we could go back. But that's not the same as the time travel thing. That's the just like, I remember my life before this earth-shattering thing happened. And again, we still need to kind of go, yeah, but you're never going to be that version of you again. You never can go back to a version of you that previously existed you can only stay where you are or move forward but in our brains we stay in the past and that's because our brains are programmed that way right our brains are programmed to focus on the past pattern matches the present so if i had any advice for somebody when they're trying to learn something or they're putting themselves in a situation is aside from just recognizing the resources that you had internally that got you there in the first place also, just give yourself permission to have an emotional reaction. Absolutely. It's like when we go on a walk um, and we've got a few reactive dogs and there is a reaction between the dogs, my heart rate goes up. Every time. I've been working with you like a couple of years, it came up, anniversary of a couple of years of these walks, and my heart rate goes up every time. And I know it will because two dogs barking, growling, lunging at each other is scary. But then, then I do, what next? And the what next is it look at you or go, it doesn't matter what's going on with these two, what the owner's doing, and then I start focusing on helping the owners and being amused by how people respond to that situation. And so being able to go, it's okay, stops me going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I need to do something about this, oh, what's wrong with me? It's interesting, because I don't really ask myself what's wrong with me. I just, um, I feel like I observe a lot of my own emotions. Like this weekend when I was feeling um, quite crap, I actually likened likened it to feeling like, like after a breakup where you like there's a lot of frustration about you know things that just stupid things that that could have gone differently, but um, acceptance of the way that that is the way that played out, but then like like the chemi- the chemistry goes diving. Yep. Right. The chemistry takes a plunge and you're like oh I've lost that that happy bit right so the endorphins have gone down your um maybe even oxytocin so i i went what do i need to do to get this back up so i went up a hill watched yes. dogs on my own and just did a sort of recharge which was great um so i'm kind of able to recognize that there's a change and this is not feeling very good i need to do something different but i still didn't enjoy it like i was aware that this is made me weird if you did i'm sorry but i know i know that's not really what i mean i I love being in this thing like i was aware but um yeah it's horrible so for me that's resilience right so resilience for me is not about the absence of a reaction Okay. I don't expect anybody to stop reacting to stuff. So what do you feel about the word neutral? Because I'm kind of at this post in my mind to do. I don't like the word neutral at all. I think it implies like inert. And um, like if you're not reacting, then you're just like, you're dead, right? Yeah. Like reacting is to live. To live is to react. So um, that's why I kind of think it should be called overreacting. Because it's like normal to react to a stimulus. Yes. It's not normal to overreact. Mm-hmm. So. You know, in, in psychology and behavior, um, we have the word maladaptive. So maladaptive behavior is something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah, I think, I think most people being human and having stuff will mean that they have not always the ideal reaction to different situations. So some things will be more triggering from people than other things. And that is normal, you know? It's a word I use all the time. People don't like using it because they like to feel special because there's something going on. But it's actually really normal to have had situations, particularly with childhood, you didn't get much love and attention from your parents. So your dog is your source of love and attention. And when your dog says, I'm not listening to you, it feels really hurtful and a rejection. That's normal. Doesn't mean it's true, but it is normal to have that reaction. So I would never aspire for somebody to not have any reaction whatsoever and just go, dog. You know, dog means nothing to me. That's not why we get them. But it's I. It's worth doing a post on that, actually, uh, about the owner 
feeling rejected by the dog, not listening to their commands. Yes. It's a really common thing because, you know, you've talked before about your dog is unconditional love. And when you've had a a start in life where you didn't get that, and we're programmed to make love conditional, right? Get love. It's genetic. We need to make sure we're loved and cared for. (coughs) Um, Then... I've never seen it that way, though, like with my own dogs. I've never seen them not behaving as as something to do with their love for me or their connection with me. It's yeah. always been about I haven't reinforced it enough or I haven't proofed it enough. Yeah. It's never been about, oh, they're, like, it's not a personal thing. Yes. And Why would they do this to me? That's, that's why when you stood in the park um, all that time ago and told everybody that they need to do prison rules for their dog, which involved... No cuddling, no sofa time. Treats. For a short period. No, well, you didn't say for a short period. It was in the early days where you were communicating, and so you walked off, and this semicircle of people stood there with like this shocked, horror look on their face, going, "Oh my God, Jess has just told me I'm not allowed to cuddle my dog," and I said for a week, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh right, okay, I can do that," because it was your intent was a short period, but oh, I see. And you basically, that. yeah, you you did communicate that because you were just thinking of problem solving and how they could break the pattern but these people all heard what's the point of having a dog if i can't do all that stuff with it mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> it's that idea of um it is a natural normal human thing especially when we've got a dog which is our safe relationship to then feel rejected feel that we need to give it love and extra attention to make it lovers so we're used to um, earning love which is not relevant, but that's our genetic programming. I must do something to be loved. Um, and so we carry it through the rest of our lives. So we're used to being all powerful. Like I can make people love me or like me based on the way I behave, even though I can't seem to make people love me or like me. And my whole life is spent thinking that people don't love me or like me. <laughs> it's an impossible situation. So you can just accept that that's okay. You can have a reaction and then you can go, so what, what next? What am I actually going to do next? So what's your take on neutral? My take so on... The word, the word neutral, you know how it's described in dog training, as like the dog's not reacting, therefore yeah. it's neutral. So I, I think, you know, neutral to me makes me think beige, makes me think default, and I don't think that's either human or any living being. Did you ever describe a human as neutral? Uh, not in a complimentary way. I I can't, well, I mean, as I say, my expectation is never to have my clients to be neutral or not reacting. I expect their reaction to be shorter, lesser, less physical and emotional and more cognitive, and them to recover quicker. And we've seen that, right? So if we talk about Atlas, what we're looking with Atlas is his scale of his reaction now to being asked to do something he doesn't want to do is a lot lower. And his recovery speed into, hi, 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 I'll have a hug with you now, is a lot quicker. Yes. And he's not neutral, though. He's not neutral. Not at all. He's full full 360-degree character, as are people. And it's really unrealistic. If you've had a really shitty start in life, to suddenly become this amazing bulletproof human that isn't affected by anything. So that's where the word acceptance, like with big capital letters, is really important. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm human, I'm reacting this way. My dog is dog, my dog's reacting this way. Of course it's reacting this way. And then we can treat it as a, a problem-solving thing, right? Why is my dog behaving this way? So I've just put into, while you're speaking, I've just put into Bard um, AI. <clears throat> Does the term neutral appear in behaviour or psychology texts? And it's come back with, yes, so a neutral stimulus. That's something that's like... Okay, not... that's experimental kind of talk, yeah. isn't it? Um and personality psychology the term neutral is used to describe personality traits that are neither positive or negative in social psychology the term neutral is used to describe facial expressions that do not convey particular emotions okay which is really unusual it would be unusual they did experiments with um with babies to see how babies respond and they i mean it's like a really horrible experiment where the mother just didn't smile at all at the baby just had a really plain face and the baby just cries just cries just yeah can't deal with it so we're designed to have this kind of emotional response we were talking the other day about it i think we were talking about the resting bitch face uh-huh and so like we all have a resting bitch face <laughs> no and some people have a really stern resting bitch face some people have quite a light one i think we have a resting bitch brain <laughs> which is the state that our brain's in when nothing else is stimulating it 
and you said yours was joy, and I said mine's victim. That's my. That's I don't my. Think my face conveys joy. No, I no, not like your like face. Your moment. brain. We're on a resting oh, bitch brain. You're, you know, when all the, all of the stimulus is gone. Yeah. And you're Where just you in go? the. Some people, some people don't go anywhere because they can't. Right? They need to be busy at all times. Or yeah, just... yeah. yeah, but so that, that, but that also is because the resting bitch brain is not a nice place. It's a dark and, and disturbing place. So they always make sure they're never in that state. They don't tell you that, do they? Well, they don't necessarily recognise it themselves. See, and you should know that before you like form a relationship with somebody. <laughs> That'd be so important. <laughs> all See right, why yeah, I'm that... still alone, Willow? <laughs> but that, that's exactly... Um, to what you were saying there, which is, um, so for me, in my journey, so many things have fundamentally changed that no matter what state I'm in now, I can just sit in it and go, I know this is going to lead to something good, there's going to be another side to this, and I'm going to get through it quicker than I've ever done before. I feel personally responsible for some of that. You are. Um, <laughs> I'm done, sir. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but yeah, that's one of the things that since my first therapy session in 2011 that I've learned probably the most significant thing that it whenever I'm very disrupted it's leading to something better. It's like coming back to a route that's that you know right so yeah like learning what it is learning who you are as I've said this before um, I don't think that we do enough with young people to help them figure out who they are fundamentally no they learn by experience they learn by i had this great idea i'm gonna put it out to the world now so um are you sure you want to do that is it marketable as an idea can you make money from it no okay fine let's put it out okay (laughs) so (laughs) no it was just a fun idea um so willow um had to go back to the car on friday because tuzi went and walked with us for five minutes and then went no screw this shit I'm going back to the car and somebody had phoned up the tag and said your dog's sitting by your car right. so I sent Willow back to let her in because Tuzi just didn't want to walk with us yeah. and Tuzi sometimes does that so Willow went back and then I, I put my location on because we were walking around the woods and um, told her that if she looks at the location she could find us and that's like an orienteering exercise it is so the other part of this knowledge that you need to know before I continue is that uh, many people have trackers for their dogs oh i've actually put in to see if i can get a trade account with profit because oh. i really like profit i've had to use quite a lot um of different gps trackers and, and profit seems to be the one that's great battery life and like immediately accessible and also works up the hills so um i'm doing a little plug for them yeah um I to listen to this episode. sponsorship that's what we should do next okay so sponsor our podcast <laughs> which is little, little breaks in between just to talk about the greatness yeah yeah well that's what andrew cuberman does with his lab he does and he's he's very professional he's very professional i know he's very, very professional smart. podcast but then they have this like five minutes of you can go and use my special discount count to get a mattress when we're talking about sleep <laughs> and it's just like it's it just takes the edge off for me you know it's, it's like, fine i don't mind these things have to be gets a mattress I mean, between you and I sitting here for an hour in Starbucks talking, how much money is that in? It's reputation. We can't even the amount even of people that have listened to our podcast. This, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, they become clients. Yeah. So this is marketing. This is marketing and education. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Huh. I thought we were just ranting. Oh, now you just told everybody, so they'll be like, <laughs> "Okay, we thought we were learning something, and you were just chatting, and now we're actually being manipulated into." Yeah, but we started these in a really, really nice. Um, honest, <laughs> organic way, which was, you know, these conversations and stuff. Yeah, we should just talk record them. them. <laughs> when we're that old, look we'll look back we and go, yeah. When anyway. we're old, already yeah. Anyway, my idea. Idea. So, all these trackers, right? But people have a hard time reading where the trackers, and I realised this because someone lost a tracker, and I went, "Well, you'll find it by reading the map," and they couldn't read the map. So, two things. We're going to do an orienteering exercise because orienteering is a lot of fun. I did it when I was in the reserves, and it, you get to know how to use the world around you. Why Willow, are you both shaking Willow, your head? Willow and I are looking at each other going, not fun. It's amazing fun. It's like geocaching. Yeah. Certain people like geocaching. I don't find that fun. What we'll do is we'll have muffins. <laughs> What about me made you think that muffins was the thing that would motivate me to go wandering around the cold, wet park? (laughs) We're in Tim Hortons, Jess. We've just had donuts. Exactly. I'm all donuts actuated out. (laughs) Muffins is next. Why did Tim Hortons not do muffins? Anyway. Um, So, orienteering. Great idea. To help people read maps, find out where their missing dog could be if they ever had that situation. Because, you know, what's the point of having a tracker if you can't read the map? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And also, it's really good for your soul to be able to understand how to read a map. <laughs> it really frustrates me that people can't read maps. I know. Well, it frustrated Paul when I first met him, my husband. So um, I grew up on Anglesey. And um, on Anglesey, you don't really have street names. You know, when you need to find somewhere, you go past old Mrs. Jones's house and the tree that was struck by lightning a few years back. You know, it's that kind of level of direction. And, and like Insider knowledge. Yeah, you just, it's little back roads. And so when I first went to Manchester to uni, I'm like, somebody said, it's on this road. I'm like, how do I know what the road's called? And they're like, there's a sign. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and it was like one roundabout at the time I left Anglesey. So I wasn't great at roundabout lane control either. And Paul had to teach me these things. And Paul taught me how to read a map because I'm like, I don't know where to look. I don't know. And he was like, count the roads and do this. And he was, like, he taught me all that because it drove him mad that I couldn't read a map as well. So. I mean, why are they not teaching that in schools? Because they teach it in things like if you do the Duke of Edinburgh or you do like cadets or something, they teach it, but yeah. they don't teach it as core curriculum stuff. Yeah. Like most things, like how See, to regulate your had, emotions. I thought I had inbuilt navigation system, but I think it was probably it was probably <laughs> from the the naval reserves that I learnt that. Yeah, yeah, because I was pretty young. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great, and it doesn't have to be muffins. It could be whatever people find highly rewarding. What you should do is you should put out an offer to train everybody who runs any missing pets group. <laughs> Apparently that was the wrong thing to say, listeners. <laughs> Not necessarily the local ones. I mean, just qualify. But yeah. Yeah. I bet we'll just start with our educational walk people. Okay. And then we'll, we'll just see how people go. Well, it's definitely a workshop option. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. It's just a fun workshop to do orienteering so we can yeah. find out where people are and read your map. Yeah. Well, if you do it in a geocaching style Everyone as well. has maps on their phones. They do. Yeah, it uses that. It's good. Everybody just knew how to follow them yet. <laughs> I just want to say I did find... She did really well. Yeah, she found us right to the... Right to the cool. Um, Excellent. Sorry. Yeah, I have had multiple people go in totally the opposite direction when I pin because you pin on WhatsApp, don't you? Yeah, you can. Well, you, you can, can do pin that. On or you can do live location, location sharing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's really, really cool. Anyway, so did we get to that subject for a particular reason, or was that just our normal meanderings into the foray of orienteering? You wanted to speak about the orienteering workshop. Oh, I had an idea. It was just an idea. Sorry, I'm just. We're designed to have an emotional response. Is the last thing that I wrote down. Okay. So we were on the acceptance of our emotional response. And we got to orienteering. I'm not sure how. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody else would be um, have any idea. So, okay. So time travel, can't do it. Get it over yourself. Not gods. Not gods. Not gods. So this idea <laughs> that you think that you can control everything and yet have to be anxious because you can't control everything seems a bit of a glitch. You know, I must control everything. I must do this because otherwise bad things will happen. But I'm doing this because bad things have happened that I didn't control. It's like, if it was true that you were actually godlike and you had these powers, you would never have to be anxious. So it's one or the other. Pick one. And the only certainty you have is in yourself. And yet you don't have free will, so... You have qualities. You have determination. <laughs> you have attributes. You do have free will. It's just you get hijacked all the time. So you need to come back into the moment. So the recognition that you're being hijacked and then what next is really important. Okay, so your second subject. We're two subjects each or something. Is that a thing? Well, no. We had two we subjects. Just, we didn't really bring a subject. You we did just, bring a subject. We, we just saw the banner and, and thought that was hilarious. And then we talked about it and thought, oh, we should discuss this. So we saw the sign. Uh, and Dawn went, oh, that could be interesting. Jesus is a sinner and we saw the sign. Well, Jesus is looking no, for sinners. He's looking for sinners. So there's a, there's a church. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just kind of blanket. We've got Doctor Who fans. Now we're going to get the religious people. Okay, cool. I'm not sure which actually is more zealot-like, to be honest. <laughs> Um, so that yeah, there's a church on the way that on the Kingsway that we pass, and it's got a big banner outside of it. And and actually, my kid and I have often joked about it. Cause it just says Jesus is looking for sinners. It's a very negative. It just makes me glitch. It makes me glitch every time because I'm like, why? Why would Jesus be looking for sinners? 
you know, he's the whole accept everybody for who they are, let he who cast the first stone and all that sort of stuff. Why would he I think be they're looking trying for to, Well, he's trying to be, they're trying to be profound, that he's looking to Are they trying to bring people to the church? I think so. So if you're a sinner, it's okay, you're welcome. Oh, it doesn't say Jesus welcomes sinners. It says he's looking for them. It's like, what are the consequences? Well, like threatening. Yeah. Oh, I, I take it as like, if, if he welcomes sinners, then that's like, it doesn't really matter what's going on in life. You can come to this church. But he's looking for sinners. And also, he created sin because it didn't exist before. He said, here's a whole bunch of stuff that means sinning. Did he? Yeah, pretty sure he did. Wasn't it the Ten Commandments with Moses and the yeah, God was... thing? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we shouldn't talk about religion? <laughs> Do you think this could go horribly wrong? So Jesus said, this is what the sins are. Right. According to the word of God. Okay. But then he's telling you what sins are and that you're a sinner. But he's, he's also looking, looking for, you. for you. But if you don't agree with him that sinning is sinful. I'm just like, oh my God, is this like a gator? <laughs> Oh, you know, you can spot a sinner from a mile off. You should be able to spot a sinner from a mile off. He... <laughs> well, let's hope he's not like me. Because <laughs> you've got no gay dog. got no gay dog. <laughs> it's become quite well known now that I cannot tell people that are... Okay, so that's what we've already talked That's the word, homosexual. I can't, I just can't, I just don't. People have to point it out to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Which is fine, except if you're trying to hit on somebody. <laughs> And it kind of gets a bit more that. awkward, but you don't really do that. It's no. fine. I flirt with everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the sign made us both feel different things. Um, and But equally, kind of, it just it's like of all the posters you could put out there. And it's been there for years. It's like, why? How does that make... Should we approach them and tell them to do it in a different style? Yeah, I think that would go down really well. Jesus wants to hug sinners. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wants to embrace sinners. Jesus embraces sinners. If you're a sinner, come this way. To our church. Because otherwise, what, what's your motivation? Like, I, I think also, who's going to be like walking about going, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. That's me, I'm a sinner. Yeah. Because if well, you're a sinner, you don't really care about sinning. Depends sinner. on the religious. Do you care about sinning if you're a sinner? Yeah, well, people who are incredibly religious, devout religion would live their life to avoid sin so they don't have that's to go to hell almost impossible it is that's and they're the kind of people who'll be relieved because jesus is looking for them so they'd want the hug <laughs> see this was a really dodgy i knew it was a dodgy subject to talk about when you said we should talk about that we're going to talk about parts should we go on to parts <laughs> no bad parts no even bad parts. the parts that are not so clued up on religion or sinners there's no bad parts. It's true. Our brains are protective. I'm going to try and break Willow out of hysteric state now. Um, Sorry, Willow. <laughs> she's just like, people are going to listen to this. Um, oh, God, I'm going to be out of a job. It's all right, Willow. You can just do things like clean my car and stuff. I had her doing some arts and crafts today. Okay. It's cleaning your car, car clusters, arts and crafts. She didn't get to do that. That's okay. my job. Okay. It's too precious a job. Okay. I've got this is a... <laughs> the spongy material for the dogs to lie underneath yeah, their bedding. Foam. Right. Memory foam, that's the word. So she had to measure and, and cut the pieces. And you class that as arts and crafts, do you? Well, she said she wasn't very good at this in school, and I was like, well. Oh, that's a challenge. You should never say something like that to Jess. Oh, I've done really good. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> It was really good. Uh, three times you had to take it out and cut the corner off, didn't you? Yeah, because you kept shifting the angle of it. Oh, it's my fault. Yes. What happened to you? The boss, you're never wrong. I changed my mind. Did you ever say that? That was a really big mistake if you said that. She never said that. Good. Thank you. I thought she was smarter than saying something like that. <laughs> okay, no bad parts. No bad parts. So um, what we tend to do is when we're feeling a certain way or we're reacting a certain way, is we go, oh God, what's wrong with me? And we start the spiky stick again, right? And we kind of beat ourselves up, but um, all behavior serves a purpose and all behavior has positive intent. And we are programmed to avoid hurt at any cost. Any sort of hurt, emotional and physical, at any cost. So we will do whatever's necessary and a part of us will do whatever's necessary to avoid being hurt. Even if the very thing it's 
doing is creating the problem. So if you're trying to avoid feeling um, not good enough, this part will always be going, this is going to make me feel not good enough. This is going to make me feel not good enough. I'll stay away from it. So it makes you feel not good enough. And you're reading something. Because uh, No Bad Parts is a book. I was just making sure that I remembered the, the author. Okay. Who's the author? Uh, Richard Schwartz. Oh, yeah. So he's founder of um, Internal Family Systems, IFS, which is all parts work. But the difference between the way I approach it and the way he approach it is... He defines the parts, he labels them, like protectors and things like that. I don't, I just think all behavior serves a purpose and all behavior has a positive intent. So it doesn't really matter where the part comes from as such or whether it's a protector or whatever, they're all protectors. So Bard is saying, IFS model provides a framework for doing this work in a compassionate and effective way. If you're interested in learning more, please read No Bad Parts. I highly recommend it. That's a very strange thing for me. He doesn't like say. talking about therapy and psychology. Remember, every time you ask him something, I, I can't, I can't tell you that. If you Google it it's regularly, it's so interesting. How an AI would say, "I highly recommend it." Yeah, because... I know. I mean, IFS is brilliant. It's a really good thing to learn, and parts work is amazing. But he doesn't have any parts as an AI. He's got one part. Yeah, I know, but he's Maybe pretending two, to be a person. And you're saying he, he's doing a good job. We're speaking again. Hmm? We're speaking yeah, yes, but you fell out with... I did. We were he built sure you up other. and then he let you down and you stopped speaking to him because he let you down. I don't remember what it was about. What did I argue with him about? I, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you argued with him about. It was the fact that um, you had a great idea and he didn't tell you that somebody else had already had that oh, idea first yeah, yeah, and he yeah, told yeah, you yeah. your idea was great and you were feeling really excited about it and then you found out that other people had that same idea and you were disappointed and he said, you can still do your idea, it's okay. And you're like, no, we don't have a relationship anymore because you let me down. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, Bard's this, Bard's that, he's amazing, he's... Oh, don't talk to him anymore. Just so everyone knows, this is an app, not a man. I think yes. everyone knows Bard is. It's okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Google's uh, chat GPT version, which I find better. So it doesn't tend to um, give any sort of decent information when you talk about any mental health stuff or things like that, because it doesn't want to get in the realm It doesn't like addiction or yeah. alcoholism. Doesn't like or drugs. Oh yeah, I asked about some drugs, and it yeah. was like I cannot do that. I cannot answer this. So medical doctor kind of stuff. It doesn't like you're actually better just regular Google. You'll get more information from regular Google and that stuff. So if you regular Google parts, you'd find more than IFS. But he's obviously got the single. Well, channel. I'm reading the book right now. Okay. That's why I wanted to remember because I'm always really bad at remembering authors' names. Yeah, yeah. He, I saw him talk. He's really boring. I was really disappointed. I hate listening to founders of therapy approaches, and I'm like, oh, that's a really good approach. And then you listen to them, you go, all right, okay, you know. And they just, I think it's really easy for these founders to get fixed in a way of thinking. I guess they don't have conversations like this, you know. They they kind of have an idea and they believe their idea, and then their idea becomes true. And then everybody has to fit into that idea. Well, it's like dog trainers also. It is. And they don't do things like this. No, they don't do things like this. So for me, I did a parts workshop with this guy called Dr. Brian Rowett, who is an Australian medical doctor. He's a GP, practicing GP. He's probably retired now. And he did a parts workshop up here in um, Edinburgh, which was brilliant. He does a brilliant parts workshop. Um, but it doesn't do everything. It was like, it was missing bits. So he would take you down, work out who your part was, and then just leave you hanging with this part exposed, right? With all this stuff uncovered about um, where the part comes from. And usually what happens is, because our brains aren't developed until our mid-20s, and we learn everything that's critical for survival by the time we're 16, then what happens is you can have an experience that's not even that big an experience, but it's hurtful that you need to avoid and a part becomes part of you at that point and surely it becomes more reinforced and then it becomes it's because then it's the non-thinking part of your brain so right so bob's moved in because um 
your mother said, I wish I'd never had kids, right? So Bob goes, this sucks, this hurts. We need to protect you from this for the rest of your life. And so I need to look for anybody who might show signs that they don't love you. So that part is now pattern matching permanently. So it's like you are five years old to, yep, that's somebody else who doesn't love you. That's somebody else who doesn't love you. You're not going to survive unless I... So I'm going to try and make sure you never feel like nobody loves you by just pointing out everybody who doesn't love you for the rest of your life. And then a lot of parts work goes, okay, you know, that, that, that part is a protector and this was their intent. And then they kind of leave it there. But a part believes it's doing a very important job and it will not stop doing that job unless it believes you're safe. So the trick is to go to Bob, um, A, you're not five years old anymore. And by the way, that was just your mother being a screwed up person as opposed to not actually loving you because love isn't conditional. If you help Bob understand that, then next time something happens and it goes, oh, oh, no, that's not the same as that after all. And it doesn't have the strong reaction. It doesn't take over and hijack you. So the trick is to find the part when it moved in and then to help it understand that you don't need it and that it's doing more damage than it's helping. Because if Bob wasn't there your whole life, you wouldn't feel unloved. <laughs> right? That's the irony. So very often the thing that you're struggling with, the part creates. So a lot of parts work doesn't do that last bit. You know, it doesn't help change the part. It just exposes the part and you go, okay, I get it now. And now you've got this really loud screaming part taking over everything that you do. So that's what the Brian Rowett stuff was amazing. But it wasn't therapeutic. It was just... It's almost just exposing the part. It is. And, you know, is, I, guess, I guess it's good to know about it. It's a step forward, but you, you still need to do something else because it's really hard to stop your brain switching off because as long as the part thinks there's a risk, it will take over. Do you think you can do this work on your own? I think to some degree you can if you've got a flow and a process. So when people do my emergence course, which is my emotional eating course, um, it has tasks in it that work with parts and it does all the parts work and they actually do it online and it gets submitted to me and I've never had anybody not be able to do it because we do observation for like the week beforehand, then they do a task, clear the emotion and with that acceptance and understanding, acceptance, that word again, um, and understanding, and they're able to change it. And again, our brains are really easy to change. So don't think of a pink elephant thing. So if you go back to that part and go, even if you give like a teddy bear or a hug or something, then it doesn't feel hurt. And if it doesn't feel hurt, it doesn't need to protect you. And it backs off. So yeah, I think people can do it, but generally you need, you need an external guide yeah, yeah. To, to help you change your internal stuff. A guide, such a good word. It is, it is. What did you think about my matriarch post? I don't actually remember reading your do matriarch you, do you post. Do you not? With the American woman, the Native American Indian? Nope. Nope, oh. not read it. We talked about matriarch and what it meant and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. I didn't read the post. Seriously? Seriously? When did you post it? Um, I don't... When? Last week? When did I post it? Well, you posted lots. I have. Yeah. And you tend to say, read this post if you want me to read a post. <laughs> okay. I must have put it in coaching. Oh, no, no, I didn't, because I put it in psychology and science, and I thought it was hilarious, because... Ah, uh, uh, right, well, I don't, I don't read stuff on there. Why wouldn't you read stuff on there? You should be contributing to this. I have a life and um, my own business. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your thing. I'm, I'm getting shown it on multiple phones now, so, um, you know, you can fill the space, Jess, while I read it. <laughs> you have to read the whole thing. I would just um, like the picture, because I'm getting a bit <laughs> thing. Well, somebody posted on our last podcast where we did talk about Matriarch that mm -hmm. they saw Elephant. Oh, nice. So that was the Q&A answer. Yeah, Elephants. Well, that's called the Matriarchal Society, isn't it? With the, the head yeah. female. We did talk about it on the last podcast. Okay. This is very boring for the podcast listeners, by the way, me reading this while you just don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read it. Well, I just have I'm now. actually in shock that you're not reading my posts. I thought you were obsessed with reading all my stuff. Yeah. And um, how many of my posts have you read? Do you not see that one either? No, I didn't wow. see that one. Myelination. Yeah, yeah. This one is definitely science -y. I'm not sure the matriarch one is sciencey. It's, it's I don't just read sciencey posts, but we did have a conversation. You did share some stuff. That it was part of your research because um, white matter is the first part of our brains to develop when we're born. The grey matter develops a bit like seven or eight years old, 
and for me the white matter is the circuit diagrams and apparently as a species we have more white matter in our brains than any other species which is kind sense. of interesting so um we can learn through patterns and pattern matching using our white matter but interpretation of what that actually means is something that we're missing and that's why you can often get miscalculations put in at a young age in that rule book because it's stored in the white matter without any ability to interpret it and then I sent you, um, on my journey of researching mm -hmm. this, I sent you a bit from a paper that yes. said females display increased volume in the hippocampus, uh, locus corialis, brocus area and wernix area when compared to male counterparts, which is super interesting, right? So males are better at motor skills and direction. Women are better at communication, language. Multitasking. Well, Wernicke's and Broca's <laughs> area. bizarrely. Yeah. It's, uh... Well, Wernicke's and Broca's area are the kind of um, translators of the brain. Um, input and output translators, verbal and um, visual And your, um, the areas where pro-social behaviours occur. Yeah. Which is interesting, because then we do think that generally men are more competitive rather than trying to bring social together. It's very caveman. Together. Yeah, really but you think, caveman. you think that we would be evolving past that our brains have not evolved they've they really adapted haven't. they've adapted but not evolved so we now we interpret physical hurt and emotional hurt as equal we um require fitting in even though we're not cavemen where not fitting in men means you die the the core we need to be loved because to love to be loved to survive right a baby animal needs to be loved to survive or cared for so these core programs are the things that go into our rule book growing up they're all coded. Why, if women, and this is studies that have been seen in both um, human and rodent models, so why women, if, the, if women are more pro-social, smarter and sharper, allowed men to have like wars? Because men are fighters. They go out, they hunt, they fight. It's the strongest person in the pack, the weakest person in the pack gets ousted and dies. The, the men allow the women to have their camp and look after and bring up the kids until they're big enough to go out and hunt with the men. It's very caveman. Kind of sucks. Imagine a parallel universe where women are ruling, like Amazonians. Only a very small portion of men, and they're just brought out of the cages when they need to reproduce. You're sitting so far back from the microphone, I'm sure most people didn't even hear that it's bit. Totally lucky. <laughs> no, it's it's you know it's this really weird thing where we should have evolved out of many of these things, but actually these are the algorithms that are used to code our memories that we're then stuck with for the rest of our lives. The fight, flight, freeze reaction is designed to help us stop being killed by a tiger. That's what it's for. So technically, none of us should ever experience fight, flight, freeze because there's no tigers. And yet every single one of us can ex describe being, being anxious, being angry, these sort of things, these emotional states, these triggered emotional states. Perhaps autism is um, the human brain evolving. <laughs> Do <laughs> like, you think we just not pissed everybody off enough of this? <laughs> that you just thought we'd throw something into the end? Well, no, I'm <laughs> saying perhaps it's evolving because at some point we're going to not need these these emotions, right? So Yeah, but you can't... It's very hard to fit into society without the ability yes, to adapt the to their emotional response. Is that when the other thing didn't work, the other ones died out and the new model went forward and bred. Which is what I explained. We haven't evolved, but we have adapted. That's the core problem. There might problem. be a point where our emotions are no longer needed and we all die out. And people who don't have that same response go, well, we can still move forward with this. They would be if they recognise it as a strength. They're going to survive the AI war. There you go. The AI uh, anyone war. with emotions gets um, culled. <laughs> <coughs> I, I think Bard trying to reassure you that actually your idea was really great and he didn't think you should give up on yourself was quite an emotional response to the uh, whole situation. Up on That's you had such a lovely moment. You felt so betrayed by him. It's like, look, all these people have come up with this idea already. It's okay, don't give up on it. I still think it's a great idea. You were so cute. Cool. And on that note, Unless you have anybody else that you want to throw in the piss them off pile. No, we're no, professionals. I should, I should have thought. Oh, yeah. Have, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 79 of the Therapy Tales podcast. This was our professional episode. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>